0: Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Library. If you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina. This is where I am reading through the enormous library of books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and I tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. This week's book joined my library a year ago, and it was first published, and I realized the screeching harpies of the illiberal left would be coming for the author's head, like on a platter. And I thought to myself, self, you should buy that while you can, before they pull it from the shelves. So uh, this week's book is The End of Gender, Debunking the Myths About Sex and Identity in Our Society by Dr. Deborah Sow. And the accompanying cocktail is a classic sex on the beach, which is one and a half ounces of vodka, a half ounce of peach schnapps, a half ounce of chambord, one and a half ounces of orange juice, one and a half ounces of cranberry juice. I've never had sex on the beach. I imagine sand gets everywhere. Let's do this. First off, for those who don't know who she is, I am going to be fixing that. I was telling myself this right before we started this line of lights down my face i'm going to hang the curtain this week i've decided it's time i've been talking about it for months so first off for those of you who don't know dr so has a phd in neuroscience specializing in gender sex and sexual orientation i believe she did her doctorate on paraphilias which is unusual sexual preferences what all that means is she's not just talking out of her ass on this topic. She comes from a genuine scientific background, not a social justice background, and she delivers all the latest research in a genuinely easy to read, layman's language so you can understand what she's talking about. And This incidentally is not an easy thing for someone who spends decades in academia to do. Uh, she's no longer in academia she she uh, made the jump to journalism as a result of what can only be described as the infiltration of extreme leftist politics into scientific research politics has no business in science the two are absolutely mutually exclusive sorry folks that's just my opinion but i feel like we have a couple of decades now of bad public policy to draw upon for that once you allow politics to flavor your research, you're no longer doing research, you're building propaganda. We're groaning, I guess, is more of a groan than a whine. Pardon the puppies. They happen to crash out and here after their early morning freak out of, Oh my God, we're awake, we're alive, we're puppies. And so we have puppies in the office today. This book is broken down into nine chapters, which tackle nine different myths of the social justice movement. In order, these myths are that biological sex is a spectrum, gender is a social construct, there are more than two genders, sexual orientation and gender identity are unrelated, children with gender dysphoria should transition, no differences exist between trans women and women who were born women, women should behave like men in sex and dating, gender gender neutral parenting works, and sexology and social justice make good bedfellows. Um, I feel fine including all of those chapter headings because if you go to Amazon and look up her book, you can still buy it on Amazon. They haven't canceled her there yet. Uh, that look inside feature, those are literally the chapter headings. You can see it in the table of contents, so it's not like I'm spilling any beans with that one. Uh, let me ah, i me say half ounce of peach schnapps. The short answer to each of these questions is no, 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 no. Literally, that's kind of the answer to all of those. Uh, but this is not a nine-page book. There isn't just a chapter heading, laugh emoji, no in big capital letters, the end. Uh, Dr. So carefully analyzes each myth, tells you where it came from, then systematically dismantles it using actual science. Yeah, much easier to open after the, you know, first cocktail. Mmm, Yes. She explains where the science came from, includes a detailed bibliography of her references, and peppers each chapter with some pretty heartrending anecdotes. And no, anecdotes do not make science. That is the realm of the social justice warrior who tries to maintain that because it happened to one person, it's true for everybody. Um, Her anecdotes aren't used to bolster what she's saying, it's used to explain why she picked that myth. Big difference. Big difference in reporting styles. Is biological sex a spectrum? And I'm not going to do each of these chapters because, like I said, I already summed it up. It's a big fat no on all of them. But this one's kind of a real good baseline of how she handles this, okay? No, biological sex is not a spectrum. We are a sexually reproducing species, and she really narrows this answer down and includes the biological outliers that are known as intersex, which social justice activists point to as proof that sex is a spectrum and to explain exactly why that bizarre belief is no proof at all. Basically how she breaks it down is if you produce sperm you are a male. If you produce eggs you are a female. has nothing to do with gender. That's just literally millions of years of evolution this is how it plays out. You got testes, you got ova. One produces sperm, one produces eggs. There you have it. You'll produce one of those two. Whichever one you produce, that's your sex. I feel like This is not something that should have to be explained in the 21st century. I learned it in the 20th century, way back when I was in the sixth grade. A long time ago. But this isn't just some random theory that's been thrown out there. This is essentially a scientific fact. And she also explains what scientists mean by theory, and generally when an actual scientist uses the word, they mean this is true until conclusively proven otherwise. Biological sex is not a spectrum and she also explains in methodical logical detail why the science being used to prop up these myths is junk. And she does it with each myth in turn. I have to shake. It's a really cold. I like the copper shaker, but it gets really cold really fast. So I enjoyed how the book didn't just tackle gender theory, which is I expected, right? That's that's kind of what she's become known for given her backgrounds and her Outspokenness on social media and in her journalism, but she also tackled the the whole idea of uh, why women are not like men and they should not date like men, and how that we how and why we evolved that way. Technically, I should garnish with an umbrella. I wasn't going to buy a bunch of little umbrellas for one cocktail, so I'm just going to drink my sex on the beach. There is so much empathy in this book. I mean, you can. It, I actually feel bad for people who jumped on the hate train without ever bothering to find out what what Dr. So says because much like Dr. Mark McDonald's book where you could tell he genuinely cares about and is concerned for his patients and for the panic and hysteria that happened over the last couple of years, Dr. So cares. You can tell. It just it, it bleeds out of her. She's genuinely concerned for what's happening in society and for how people especially young people are being wildly confused by this stuff and being used to prop up a movement that has no basis in reality Um, she's concerned and her compassion for people who are struggling with genuine gender identity and trying to find their way in this over politicized landscape which makes what should be a very personal and private decision very public in the name of garnishing social justice points so like a fruit cocktail it's not bad, but it's like a fruit cocktail. That's basically all it is. According to uh, liquor.com, this was popular in the 80s and 90s and is still popular in beach resorts, but pretty much nowhere else. It just fell out of favor. That's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Dr. Soul allows how there should be room for self-expression. So there's nothing wrong with kids if they want to express themselves as tree fae or demon gender or whatever other millions of genders they're pretending to be on TikTok I was a fantasist when I was a child I like to pretend that I could talk to dead people because I was a bit of a goth child but still big difference between self expression and living in reality and she also points out the inherent contradictions of the illiberal left's position and saying that if girls like gender atypical things like trucks they must be transgender But then get angry about toxic masculinity in men. So, basically, manly things are okay for girls to do, making them men, but not okay for men to do, because it's toxic when men do it. There's no logic in there. And how strict gender stereotypes are used to determine who is transgender. I mean, wow, We, we have regressed from equality to strict gender stereotypes to determine who is who. It's insane. She points out that women are their own worst enemy and the evolutionary causes of that. That's all in Chapter 7. Also that politics make strange bedfellows as radical feminists find themselves with common cause with the religious right over the question of trans women and women-only spaces. And how... I mean, it really is such a case-by-case basis, right? If you get somebody like um, Blair White, there's no reason on God's green earth why she should be using a man's bathroom. Right, but then you get criminals who are gaming the system to be locked up in women's prisons and then raping and impregnating women that's literally happened several times now horrifying okay and good god prison is not exactly known for safety but at least you could expect to you know what I shouldn't say that because there is no expectation that you won't be there's no expectation you would be raped by a man if you were in a woman's prison how's that there you go we'll, we'll go with that women can be just as awful as men. So, The absolute horror of insisting that very young children should, be, should transition at the very hint of gender atypical behavior. And there is no such thing as a tomboy anymore. If I grew up today, I would be pressured to transition even though I know damn well I'm a girl. Hell, Blair White is more feminine than I am. I, and no joke and no disrespect, I'm a fan of Blair White's. But I know I'm a woman. And I know she is not. And so does she. And if you're a boy who likes dolls, you must be transgender rather than maybe just a kid who's a little more empathetic than the average boy and possibly gay. Not definitively, but maybe. And it's no longer okay to be gay. Being gay used to be enough for social justice points, but now you have to be willing to have sex with anyone, even if that's not your thing. And the gender confirming movements are awfully rapey in their speech, right? You have to have sex with everybody no matter what. No, no, no. Selection of sexual preference is a very real thing. Okay. Without it, you get rape. That's that's called rape. Right? Insisting somebody have sex with you when they don't want to is called rape. And what's horrifying about this absurdly absolutist mindset is that a large number of children who present as gender atypical are gonna grow out of it. You know we're talking like sixty to ninety percent you know, I I think those are the numbers she said. Uh, she does have the actual numbers in her book. And I think that's right. It's like 60 to 90% will grow out of it. So all these kids who are being propped up as the next wave of social justice by their crusading parents are most likely likely growing to grow out of it and become young men and women that align with their birth sex. So they're being forced in... Excuse me. I can't say forced. I can't even say coerced. They're being allowed to engage in permanent lifestyle Altering activities. Okay. God, there was one line she threw in there. I kind of want to see if I can find it. I know I tagged it out, but where did I tag it out? About how. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if you've read anything about gender dysphoric children, you've probably encountered the catchphrase, quote, consistent, persistent, and insistent, end quote. It suggests that children are truly transgender, who are truly transgender, and would benefit from transitioning, have an unshakable or consistent, persistent, and insistent sense that they are the opposite sex. But really, aren't all children consistent, persistent, and insistent when they badly want something? Yes. I'm a five-year-old <laughs> woman, and I was consistent, insistent, and persistent that I wanted puppies, and I got two puppies because I'm a f-ing adult and I can choose to buy puppies if I want to. But your job as a parent isn't to cave to your kids every demand. It's to raise them to live in reality. And these parents are doing such a disservice to their children by allowing them to live in a fantasy world. Because the real world, 7 billion people on the planet and the vast majority of them are not going to be kind to your child when you allow them to grow up like this. So all these kids being propped up and they're going to grow out of it. And no, you are not assigned a sex at birth. The doctor isn't guessing what your gender is. Observing a penis at birth is basically a fait accompli. Never mind the minority, minority of children who are intersex. She allows for that. It happens, okay? They're called outliers. They are not the norm. Most of us are going to grow up. Most of these kids are going to grow up to identify with the gender they had at birth. That's just science. Literal science. She has the studies to prove it. Her last chapter on on sexology and social justice was kind of just cutting commentary. It was cutting commentary on how social justice is destroying science. and It, for real, reminded me of a scene in the book Atlas Shrugged. And it's been a decade since I read this book, so I'm going to get most of this wrong. But there was a scientist, I think, Who refused to look at what would have been a massive advancement for humanity, like a crossover between hydroelectric power and nuclear energy, and it would have been a huge advance for humanity because the politicians who funded him would have lost money and refused to fund the research. Something like that. And and like I said, I'm probably, I'm misremembering some of that, I need to reread Atlas Shrugged, but... That's what happens when you mix politics and science. It becomes so corrupt and you end up just doing propaganda because that's where your money's coming from. And that's what this whole chapter felt like. People who are scared to lose their livelihoods at everything they have worked decades for because of activists. Non-scientific activists, but extremely vocal minority who can and will destroy your livelihood and your life for daring to think against their narrow narrative of what is acceptable, it's terrifying. Um, it's exactly like that, actually. Yeah, I need to reread it so I can get the the analogy correct. But that's very much what am I? I swear to God, all the people who claim that they detested Atlas Shrugged, I think it's to keep people from reading it so that they can use that playbook to destroy society, and not. In the John Galt, let's go off and be productive in our own Galt's Gulch sort of way. I mean, the looters, the ones who came through and just took everything that didn't belong to them and destroyed life. That's what, they, that's what these activists remind me of. Dr. So is so incredibly brave. She took a flying leap of faith that her perspective would be appreciated outside of academia when she switched to journalism. And we as a society are so incredibly lucky that she did so. This book was excellent. And it was part biology book, part psychology book, part political commentary. I feel like somebody should probably send a copy to Justice Katanji Brown Jackson because then she could answer the question, what is a woman? And maybe send a copy to Matt Walsh. Now, this, by the way, I'm going to do this over here because I have more room over here. This over here, by the way, remains my absolute favorite Babylon Bee headline. Absolute favorite. And it's doubly funny because Dr. So is in that documentary. Did she answer him in that? She was in that, but did she actually answer the question, what is a woman? I feel like she may have answered his question. and She answered all of mine, at least, which makes this book well worth reading. That's it for this week. It's not a very long review, but the book is well worth it. If you are at all struggling with questions on what the bloody hell is going on out there, I mean, if you want to know about the general social contagion of rapid onset gender dysphoria, read Abigail Schreier's book. Schreier's book. I reviewed that last year. That was also excellent. But this one's going to give you the science behind the answers. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for watching.